Parenting is often lived in the extremes. It's either great joy or chaotic overwhelm. In one moment you're nailing it and the next you're losing your cool. I want to help you find your way to the messy middle, to a place of balance. You see, balance is a verb, not a state of being. It is a thing you do, not a thing you are. It is an action, a process, a series of micro-corrections that you make each and every day to keep yourself feeling centered. We are never truly balanced. We are engaged in the process of balancing. Hello, I'm Dr. Laura Froyan, and this is the Balanced Parent Podcast, where overwhelmed, stressed out, and disconnected parents go to find tools, mindset shifts, and practices to help them stop yelling at the people they love and start connecting on a deeper level, all delivered with heaping doses of grace and compassion. Join me in conversations that will help you get clear on your goals and values and start showing up in your parenting, your relationships, your life with open-hearted authenticity and balance. Let's go. Hello, everybody. This is Dr. Laura Froyan, and we're going to be talking with my new friend and colleague, Ryan Roy, all about parenting as a dad. So Ryan is an accountability coach and he helps parents take action in making the changes that they want in their lives. So Ryan, I'm so glad to be talking with you. Will you tell us a little bit more about who you are and what you do? Yeah, absolutely. So first of all, thank you for having me on the show. I'm very excited to be here today uh, and and hopefully share some nuggets with your audience. And if one person walks away with a nugget and implements it, then this will have served its purpose. Uh, So a little bit about me. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So a little bit about myself. I am a husband first, right? I'm a father of two amazing boys, both nine and three. And they're my family's my world. Professionally, I have Justifier Just Do It coaching, right, where I help parents and people in general and taking action in their life. I think too many times people are sitting on the sidelines in their mind and I get them into movement so that they can achieve the things that they desire. And I am the author of the book, Be the Dad You Wish You Had. And I run a dad's program called FBI Dads, which is fathers being involved. Oh. I love it. And so we're in a space in the podcast where we are kind of focusing in on dads. And as we were talking before we started recording, you were talking a little bit about kind of how you got started talking about parenting in your professional world. And you said something that I just felt like we all could resonate with that when you became a parent, you didn't really know a lot about parenting. You also mentioned that you kind of just have been going with your gut and you've been reading and figuring things out. And I think a lot of the parents that I know that I work with, and mostly it's moms, they come to me and if they're partnered with a man, they want to get their partner involved in learning about parenting, but their partner doesn't really want to, or doesn't think that they need to, or should have to, because they want to be able to trust their gut. They want it to feel authentic. They want to feel it to feel natural. So can you tell us a little bit about your journey of like becoming a parent, figuring out like, oh, there's some things I don't know. What do I do to go about learning those things so that I can parent in a way that feels authentic, but is also right for me and my, for my kids? Yeah, absolutely. So I'll give a little backstory because my story is unique to me. Uh, And I can only speak from my truth. But, you know, I was uh, abandoned by my own father at age five. Mm. So I had a huge fear in life of ever becoming a dad myself and made a conscious effort not to have children for a very long time because I didn't want to fail at that. I felt as though I didn't have a role model 
to look up to or even a bad role model, right? I didn't have anything. I was coming from this blank slate. I had a big fear of not necessarily being a bad dad because I'm a good person, right? I figured I would be good at that, but I didn't know what it looked like to have a healthy adult relationship as mm. my mom was divorced twice. Obviously my father had left and my I think my fear was even if I brought a child into the world, you know, could it grow up in a healthy relationship. And because I hadn't seen that, that was another fear of mine until I met my wife. And I'll tell a little story about that because when we were falling in love, she asked me a question. She says, how do you feel about children? And like any smart man, knowing that my biggest fear <laughs> is to have children is I asked her the question back. I said, well, how do you feel about having children? <laughs> and her response was she was told by the doctors at one point that she had less than a 5% chance of ever conceiving and having children. So internally, Laura, I think I did a fist bump, a backflip, because I'm falling in love with this woman and she will never have the ability in my mind at the time to have me face my greatest fear. So not very long from there, I asked her to marry me. <laughs> well, on our wedding night, you know, we had the same discussion. Well, what are we going to do about this kid thing? And I said, listen, let's just have fun. Let's enjoy each other. In my mind, there's a 0% chance, even though there was a 5% chance. <laughs> well, six weeks later, we were pregnant. Um, yeah. And Surprise. at that point, I realized, wow, I'm about to face my greatest fear but I'm doing what with the person that I know is going to be an amazing mother. It's a partner I chose. And although I was scared, I was excited, but I recognized that uh, like my book title is I needed to be the dad I wished I had. I couldn't define it and say, I'm not going to be like my father because he was absent. I define it as I'm going to be fully present. So I did it with a lot of intentionality because of my hurt and pain from childhood of not having that dad. Yeah, you know, I really appreciate you sharing that story with us. And I think it's at some level, we all can resonate with that, that there are things that we experienced growing up that we want to protect our kids from. And then oftentimes, we kind of just know what we don't want to do. Right. Mm -hmm. And we don't know. Okay, so what does the opposite of that actually look like? Because we've never experienced it. And I think this is one of the things that can be so hard is because humans like the familiar. They like what's comfortable. And when we start doing something different, like parenting, parenting differently than how we were parented ourselves, it can feel awkward. It can feel uncomfortable. And we misread that sometimes to say that that's not natural for us, you know, that's not authentic for us, but really what I think, and I don't know if you feel the same, but really that just means it's, we're learning something new. We're stretching, we're growing and growing can be quite uncomfortable sometimes. Do you agree? Oh, absolutely. I, and I think men in general, you know, society has told us as men that it's a mom's role to mm. parent, right? It's our job to provide. So I think we automatically go to default mode because your audience is predominantly women. I'm just going to give you an insight into the mind of a man. Yeah. When a man finds out he's about to become a father for the first time, first of all, we don't know the sex, right? We just know that you're pregnant. So the first thing, what do you think a man pictures? And you may know this, but a man pictures throwing a ball with his five-year-old son. Hmm. right? That's his first vision. Like, oh my gosh, I'm going to play in the back. Or if, you know, he's an engineer, maybe he's building something, but whatever his passion is, it's I'm doing that with my son at five years old. We don't picture an infant. It doesn't become real for us. So when we think of a baby, we're not thinking about, oh, I get to cuddle with it and look into its eyes and nurture it. Like maybe a mom may think of these things. We automatically are going to that five-year-old. So when this child comes into the world, 
we don't know what to do for the first five years because <laughs> yeah. we haven't envisioned it. And I think oftentimes, you know, the generation of parents that we are in are some of the first to be so active, to have such a shared mutual role in raising very young children. Most of us did not grow up in homes where we saw men doing a lot of the caretaking of young Mm -hmm. kids. And so I do think that there's a little piece of like, there's growing pains in this as because you don't you only know what you know. And most of us learn through modeling. And if we didn't see it, then we don't know how to do it. And if we didn't see it, we don't know that that's really an expectation of us. And so there's part of this that has to be a conversation, right, between the two people who are having the child of like, what is our involvement? What is our role? What are like, what how can we mutually define what we're going to be doing and co-create a sense of who's responsible for what and what roles are we going to be taking on, right? I think so. And I think for me anyway, and I can only speak to myself because I know the audience will probably say, well, where do I find one like him? Because I've heard that on other podcasts and I'm like, listen, there has to be an internal desire to want to be better, but then there has to be guidance and acceptance that as men, this is an uncomfortable territory. I think, you know, to change a diaper is sounds like a very simple thing, but to a man, and one of my best friends refuses to change diapers, no matter what I tell him, how important it is to bond with the child and show unconditional love, right? It's one of the chapters in my book is just change diapers, dads. Why? Because you're going to connect to that child and that child knows there's unconditional love. Because if at three years old, maybe the kid's still in diapers and dad's never changed a diaper, he knows that there's conditional or she knows that there's conditional love because dad will do a lot of things for me. It won't comfort me Mm. when I'm soiled. Yeah. What kind of message does that send to our children? Right. Dad has a role and mom has a role. And I think in today's day and age, especially with women coming into the workplace at the levels that you are. Why can't dad step into the parenting role? And why can't we just co-create this habitat for these children to feel unconditionally loved by both parents? I so agree. And I, I mean, and I think that these are really important conversations to have to between parents as you're becoming parents, you know, and ongoing. And you touched on something that I want to circle back to because a, a few people in my community asked about this, about you said it's a kind of a sensitive thing that it can be kind of uncomfortable to not know what to do. And I think that that discomfort can make people defensive at times. Mm. And so a few people in my community were wanting to know a little bit about differences in parenting style or differences in approaches and how to talk about that with their partner in a way that doesn't get the hackles up, you know, doesn't get defensiveness coming in. And do you have any insight on that and like why we might get defensive, you know, when we are trying to discuss the difference in parenting? So I think what you do for a living and what I do for a living allows us to ask a lot of questions, right? Because then we get the information out of people. And I think in a traditional relationship, people don't necessarily have those skills. So they tend to tell each other what to do, or you should be doing this. Well, no, well, you should be doing this. That's your job. And I do this. And and, and I'm just going to come from the male perspective. Well, I provide, can't you just change the diapers and clean the house? I mean, really, guys? Mm. No. You know, but that's real for him because he's scared about, you know, not changing it right and being criticized for not being able to change a diaper in 15 seconds, right? Because he's never done it and he never wanted to do it. And then it's from a man's perspective, and I'll just speak to my own household, right? She has a certain way of doing things. And when I do things, oftentimes 
is not up to speed. So do you think from her perspective, mm -hmm. so does that give me a strong desire to want to do it again? You know, encourage ladies out there, encourage your husbands, your spouses, your partners when they are partaking, because it's very uncomfortable instead of critiquing or giving constructive feedback, you know, when your kids, so this is me coaching, I told you, I always give an yeah. example going back to the kids, right? So when your kid is picking up a crayon for the very first time, and you know, Laura will see it, I'm holding it with a fist, right? And this is how they hold it. I believe that, and then they start writing on a piece of paper, hopefully, right? We instruct them as to where <laughs> we yes. want them to do it, not on the walls or anything. And they're, <laughs> and they're doing something and they're just making scribbles. I don't know about you, but in my house, I'm like, oh my goodness, Jaden, that's amazing. What is that? Yeah, It's just scribbles. We as men are very sensitive. We have egos. And the person who could crush those egos the most, ladies, is you because we're most vulnerable with you. So if we do a diaper, change a diaper, or we do the dishes and there's a speck left on it, just ignore the speck and say, hey, honey, thank you so much for helping out in the kitchen. It really meant a lot while I was taking and bathing the child. And then he's going to go, wow, I got kudos for that. We're just like dogs, right? <laughs> you pet us on the head a little bit. We're real simple beings. I know you think we're the complex beings. We're real simple beings. Just pet us a little bit and stroke us a little bit. And guess what? He may just do the dishes again. But if he gets a critique or a yeah. criticism, he's like, why did I do it anyway? It wasn't appreciated. Yeah, I mean, I think we all operate better in a context where we are unconditionally accepted when we are appreciated, when we're affirmed, when we have affection and admiration coming at us. For sure, yes. And I mean, so you, you're touching on something in the academic world, it's called maternal gatekeeping. And it's absolutely something that we do. I mean, we do it and we, you know, there's so much research on that trait that moms have. And in doing so, we limit the people around us and we limit our Ourselves. We box ourselves in. And I think we come at it from a, a place of, you know, it's easier to just do it myself. Or if I want it done right, I have to do it myself. And these are all stories that we tell ourselves. So I really like helping parents break down like, okay, so what story am I telling myself right now? What am I making it mean? What am I making it mean that when he washes the dishes that there's still food left on him? What am I making that mean about, about me, about our relationship, about his commitment, his care for our family? And is that true? Like, is it actually true? Mm -hmm. And what else could be true? What other things are also true, you know? So yes, there's still specks of food on the dishes after he washed them. And he also was rushing to get the dishes washed so that he could be present for bedtime. And, you know, he, you know, was on a work call while he was washing the dishes too. You know, like there's always alternative ways alternative stories, alternative narratives with these things, you know, and opening, like, we don't know. We also don't know what's true, right? So I think you were saying before that we often go to our partners with like, you do, don't do it this way and kind of accusations, but we also go to them telling them what they think and what they feel. You must not care about our family. You, mm -hmm. you know, we go there with kind of ideas already firmly planted in our minds rather than coming from this softened, curious, place. And this is not, I don't think either of us are saying like that we can just excuse kind of, you know, things not being done well in the home, you know, yeah. but 
always like always coming from a place of support encouragement we're on the same team we're always working together here you know what i mean like yeah. it's there's always room for improvement but when we want to get improvement we have to come from a place that's curious and come not from a place of love yeah 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 uh, and, and you know you were saying i always say in my coaching there's no right or wrong right mm -hmm. there is no right or wrong in things there just is and if we could accept it for what it is and come from a place of love and understanding you know, if we ask questions yes. like, hey, you just said curiosity. Hey, you know, I was curious you did the dishes and I just wanted to make you aware they weren't quite done the right way. You must have been in a rush because I know you read to Megan this last night and I heard her laughing up there with you and that was amazing. And it's just bringing an awareness like, hey, just take a little bit more effort, but acknowledge everything mm -hmm. behind it that happened. Yes. And assuming the best of them. Right. And yeah. And I mean, and even just shifting from curiosity. So if we're noticing, you know, that they're struggling with something with parenting, for example, when like if we've got a three year old who's having lots of meltdowns, right, we notice mm -hmm. that they're struggling to stay calm during those meltdowns. We can come to them in a quiet time outside of that moment and be like, whew, this kid's having a lot of meltdowns. I'm struggling to stay calm. What about you? We can come from a place of like, I see this struggle. I'm experiencing it too. We are turning into each other. We are on the same team. Let's figure out what we need to do as a parenting team to stay calm during these meltdowns because three is intense. You know, I know yes. you've got a three-year-old at home. <laughs> and he is, you know, three going on 30. He runs the house. And honestly, my nine-year-old, you know, his first child wants acceptance from his parents. Mm. Very good in school, you know, listens to everything. He's like this model kid in so many ways. And then we have the terror right behind him. And I, we, we love him right to death, but he is a complete opposite of his brother in so many ways. And, and I think we took for granted some of the blessings we had the first go around and this one just presents different and new challenges and new balance like new benefits too right yeah, new yeah. opportunities to grow and learn and like build new skills <laughs> i i always think that those challenging kids are here to like wake us up and help us figure out okay so there's a new trigger now i need to work on that one okay thank you sweet child for showing me where i have healing to do <laughs> no. right and, and it's awareness around that for self right for my wife and i like okay like we knew he was going to be different we didn't know he was going to be this different but he is is absolutely different and and i call them challenges because i like to face challenges right some people would call problems but i like to face this challenge and learn how to adapt to this new child i was telling somebody one day I go, you know, I could do, I remember I had, I showed a picture of my nine-year-old when he was about four. Somebody says, show me a picture of your son. And I was flipping through my phone. And the first one I came across, he was making himself a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. And he had a butter knife in his hand. And this mom's listening to what I'm about to say. Don't be critical of other parents. <laughs> oh, really good parenting. Is that a knife I see in his hand? And my immediate response was like, yes. She goes, why would you give a four-year-old a knife? I said, because I trust him. Mm, yeah. And I said, would you not give your four-year-old a butter knife? And she says, oh, no, not mine. And I said, okay, she knows her child. Mm -hmm. I would not give my three-and-a-half-year-old, soon-to-be four-year-old, a knife. Because <laughs> at this point, that's not something I trust him with, right? Yeah. Just because of who he is. And we have to adapt our parenting styles to our children, right? Yeah. It's not one size fits all. It's not. They're different people. 
They are. And, you know, bringing it back to this, you know, your book, Be the Dad You Wish You Had. I think that this is something that I hear a lot too. But in flipping through, I think that what you're really saying is, you know, what you're saying right now is that we have to, yes, we got to figure out how we would have liked to have been parented. But we also have to figure out how this particular child in front of us needs to be parented. And I think that that's the same for our partners too. So we're giving, you know, kind of standard across the board information, but we're all individuals and your individual partner likely has different thoughts, different feelings. And and that like that, I always just come back to curiosity. I think like if we can just get to a place of like, what is it that, you know, even just the thought of like the story you were telling about the very first thing you think about when you find out you're going to be a parent and how oftentimes the dads you work with, they go to about four or five or six when they're older. Like, I feel really curious about if that's true for my husband. I'm going to ask him that tonight. These are things like our ongoing conversations that we can have with our partners to get to know them better. You know, what did they think parenting was going to be like? So, and I think for men, like if you were to ask a man, what is your biggest fear around parenting? Mm -hmm. And his fears are going to be more around, I'm not able to provide for my family. Am I going to be enough for this child, right? There's this big, huge hole of like, is this child going to know that I love them, right? There's going to be these emptiness. And But why? Because so many men, maybe their father didn't provide for them in a way that he desired to. Maybe dad never said, I love you. I can't tell you how many men I talk to. And I'll say, did your father ever say, I love you? And they'll say, he told me once. And they'll tell you the exact time, how old they were, where they were, what they were wearing, because it only happened once in their entire life. Right. So a man coming into this, and am I enough? Well, maybe because he didn't feel his father was enough. Right. These are the fears that men have that so many women may not understand because we're not allowed to be vulnerable enough because we're supposed to be the strong breadwinner for the home that we're not allowed to say these things. So if as your listeners are listening, I guarantee you one of those three challenges are the challenges that your husband or all three or partner face is I'm not enough. And I see you, you know, Laura's over here tearing up because this is true. And if you don't understand that, you're like, well, why don't you just hold the child? Well, nobody ever held me. I didn't feel love. I don't know how to give love because I never give. I don't know how to say I love you without choking up in my own throat because I never heard it from my own father. And I don't know if that's the right thing or the wrong thing to do. I'm just going back to your word, modeling what happened to me. We need to make a conscious effort as men to say, that's malarkey. That's BS. That's garbage because I wanted to know I was loved by my father. So I must tell my child I love them. I must tell them I believe in them. I must tell them I trust them. I must tell them I'm proud of them because I wanted to hear all those things myself. Yeah, so you totally just made me start crying. (laughs) (laughs) It wasn't intentional. No, no, I'm I'm a tearful person and I like I I felt really connected to very deep pain that all of us feel at times. Am I lovable? Am I enough? And And the answer is yes. Every single one of you out there, (laughs) the answer is yes, because you have a clean slate with these amazing children and you can start today, no matter how old they are, you can start today. Yes, 100%. And I think you really hit on something 
that's so, so important for all of us to know about men and boys and the way that they are raised in this society. They are not taught it's okay to feel anything other than anger or to show emotions in any way other than aggression. And they are in a touch deficit from the time they're four. Boys get touched less by their parents and caregivers. Mm. They don't know. And for if dads are listening to this, it makes sense that you don't know how to support your kid through their big feelings when you yourself have never been held and supported through yours and you've never, all you've ever learned is to stuff it down. I feel, I don't know, so much deep pain for men. Well, and and I'll just share two perspectives from you as a man, right? So my son, my nine-year-old still holds my hand when we go places, right? And when he was five and we first went into school, I'm like, he's a big boy. Should he be holding my hand? But he wanted to hold my hand and I've done enough research and enough reading to let him hold my hand. Right. But even though I've done a ton of research and reading, my brain's saying, should I be holding his hand? Well, forget my brain. You know, he needs to hold my hand because that's what brings him comfort in this big, bad school or walking through this mall or walking down the street. So if that's what he needs, I'm there to meet his needs and let him know that he's loved. And that's how he receives love. Now he's nine years old. Right. And I'll tell you kind of our morning routine is I go into my son's room when he's got to get up at 6.30 and I stroke his hair this morning, right? Sometimes his back, sometimes his butt, right? And I get into bed with him and I say, good morning. How was your day? Did you sleep well? Are we going to have a fantastic day today? And I even question, I did this just this morning. And I think to myself, he's nine, he's almost 10. How long do I do this? I don't care how long I do this. I do this until he says, dad, get out of my bed. I'm 16 because I want him to know that he is loved. I'm not the norm. I get that. But I would love for it in the next 10, 15, 20 years for this to be a norm. Oh, my gosh. Because there's nothing wrong with it. And there's everything right with him knowing that he's starting his day, being told by his father that he loves him, encouraging him about his day and saying, now get out of bed, go to the bathroom and get dressed because we got to get down for breakfast. Because <laughs> that's kind of how it goes, right? He gets like five minutes of just waking up. I know I don't use an alarm clock. I don't like to be abruptly woken up. Yeah. I ease out of my day and into my day. So I do the same thing for my kids. And then when he goes down, I go into the other one's room. Yeah, And, and I say, that, good morning. And that connection too, like it, when kids are connected to their parents, they're more cooperative. They start their day. They feel good. They feel centered. They feel grounded. And I so agree. If we can have, you know, this generation of parents who are parenting right now, if we can parent our kids with love and acceptance and them knowing like that's what they deserve, like that's the treatment that they deserve, how to do it, how to manage their emotions in a way that is responsible, but also accepting. I mean, oh gosh, can you imagine what this generation of kids is gonna do? How they're gonna be as parents? I just, it's gonna be amazing. I'm so excited to watch it. And there's a flip side to all this. So I I mentioned all these nurturing things that I do as a dad, because I believe, but I will tell you, the boys respond to me when I lay down the law too. (laughs) It's there is this balance, right? I want to give them all of those things. But it's also, hey, I need you to pick that up now. (laughs) And what did I just say? And I always ask my kids, how many times do I have to say something once? (laughs) And then they go do it, right? But they're getting all of their needs met. They need that structure of dad knowing that 
he's going to put his foot down, but I also love on them. You know, there's this big, huge evolution to being a parent. And there's encouragement out there, ladies, because I knew absolutely nothing. But it all starts with some very simple simple things. And and I would love to share with your audience a, a free download of what I call the dad daily four. It takes four minutes a day. Yeah. So get this. So dads, one of the biggest objections, every mom is going to relate to this at some level. I'm busy. I'm work. I don't have time. Have you ever heard that? Yeah. Yeah. So four minutes a day, max. And the dad's daily four is simple. And as a doctor, Laura can sit there and say, yes, these are proven strategies, but even in the dad daily four, which you could get at fbidads.com forward slash Laura. And, and that way, you know, you could go and get that free download. So this is what the dad's daily four is. I want dads to tell their kids. And I mentioned it earlier, tell your kids, you love them every single day through your words and your actions. Tell your kids that you trust them. I told you earlier, I, I trusted my son with that knife. Sometimes he says, Hey, I want to do this. And I have to teeter on my head. And I'm like, you know what? I think I can trust you with that. I think go ahead, go do it. And I use the words, I trust you. Because if I tell him, I trust him, he starts trusting himself, right? Similar to trust is I believe in you. Yeah, I believe you can do that. And then the last thing, and, and I love doing this because I do it with my both of my boys every single night, but I'm just asking your husbands to think about doing it. When you're in conversation with the kids throughout the day, I want dads to finish this sentence. And moms, you could do all these things too, but you probably do it a lot more naturally than dads, is finish this sentence. I am proud of you because. Personally, it's in my night routine with my kids. I tell them five things every day that I'm proud of them for. And then I ask them a follow-up question of, is there anything that I didn't mention that I would be proud of you that I may not know about? that you did today. And so many times it's like, well, I did this, right? He's all excited. They're all excited. Wow. Dad's proud of me of all this. Well, you know, I did this too. And I did this. <laughs> and if dads can just sit there, somehow fit that into the repertoire, at least the, I love you. I am proud of you. And the, I trust you. And I believe in you will come because there's more interaction. I think your kids are growing up with confidence, knowing that dad loves them and, and believes in them that every boy and girl needs at a cellular level. Uh, yeah, we all need those four things. We all need them. Yeah. Thank you so much for that. I really, really appreciate it, Brian, that you that you came on and you shared so openly and so candidly about this. It was really helpful. So listeners, go download your daily four, and not just families with dads in them too. So it, no matter your family structure, that daily four sounds like a great place to start. Thank you. Oh, thank you. Okay. So thanks for listening today. Um, remember to subscribe to the podcast. And if it was helpful, leave me a review that really helps others find the podcast and join us in this really important work of um, creating a parenthood that we don't have to escape from and creating a childhood for our kids that they don't have to recover from. And if you're listening, grab a screenshot and tag me on Instagram so that I can give you a shout out. Um, and definitely go follow me on Instagram. I'm at Laura Froyan PhD. Um, that's where you can get a behind the scenes look at what balanced conscious parenting looks like in action with my family. And plus I share a lot of other really great resources there too. All right. That's it for me today. I hope that you keep taking really good care of your kids and your family and each other, and most importantly of yourself. And just remember balance is a verb and you're already doing it. You've got this. <laughs>